There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode 12 of season 4 of The Magicians. Okay, so this was getting go crazy. Yeah, just a little cuckoo. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's just talk about the ratings before I go all like, Wah. Yeah. All right. Episode 12 brought in a 0.20 in adults 18 to 49 with 0. 0.560 million viewers, making it the 27th overall cable show for the day. Not bad. Keeps climbing. Oh, my gosh. And, and the way this is going. I know. And, of course, Nielsen has gone on vacation again because we have not seen any live plus seven since the <laughs> last, since episode 10. Of course not. Of Why course would not. We have, Why would we have anything? Come on. That are the most important. They go out to lunch. Right. All right. Well, let's jump into episode 12. Because, you know, the synopsis is just so huge. <laughs> the secret C. Quentin yells at a plant and Margot stares at a fish. Yes. Thank you. That makes me want to watch it. Yes, just it by listening really does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, maybe next season, assuming we have a season. Oh, yeah. We've still got, we get season five. Okay. That's I was like, I don't remember. No, yeah. That's a given. Yeah, you know what, but is it because we were well, going yeah, to get the exactly. next episode or next season of ERP and look what's going on right now. Exactly. I trust nothing. No. But anyway. All right. Let's maybe start. next season we'll get better. Yeah. Synopsis. <laughs> let's start in with Team Fillory as we see Finn carrying a goldfish in a bowl. Okay. Did you adopt a pet all of a sudden? Yeah. And sure enough. Leads them to a secret garden, the Drowned Garden, according to Martin Chatwin, inside a hidden chamber. Chamber is the anti-room to a giant protected lake of pure magic, but of course there is a catch. Isn't there always? Yes, the lake is protected by a curse, and if you touch even a drop of the water, you will be transformed into a Florian dying fish. That which, doesn't sound good. No, which sadly is what has happened to John. Yeah, I love it. No, don't touch it. it yeah, as he is the fish in the bowl. Yeah, maybe you should have led with that, Fen. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so let's check in with Team Library. Break bills. Todd warns Dean Fogg not to enter his office. <laughs> Todd, I swear to God, if you shit in my private bathroom again. <laughs> no. No, it's not that. Librarians have come to arrest Fogg for his drunken lecture and act of rebellion. I still think that was funny. Oh, it was absolutely hilarious. Fogg informs him that he's been expecting them and enlists Todd to help him rescue Katie and the librarian from the poison room. I love this. Yeah. 
He disguises one book as an, another highly contraband one and instructs Todd to put it in the return sheet. And don't try to Todd this up. Yeah, that's exactly what I love. And Todd's like, uh, uh okay, I won't. <laughs> Do me? Right. He's like, I don't understand. How could you not, Todd? Come on. Right? Come on, Todd. You've been this route before. Yes. So we find that Katie and Zelda, being trapped in the poison room, have vomited up the last of their bugs and are starting to panic. Ew. Yeah. But luckily for them. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are approached by none other than Christopher Plover who has managed to survive the poison room after being pushed in by Alice ages ago. Now, he offers to teach them his trick for surviving in exchange for their help escaping the room. And I love that they're like, okay, do we die or take the help from this jerk? Yeah, they're totally repulsed by him, but begrudgingly accept the deal. And he gives them a plate full of moss that grows in the room. His theory is that it must counteract the poison because it's the only living thing that can survive and grow in there. And why else is he still alive? Yeah. Now, of course, they all swallow a bitter mouthful of moss and the bitter pill of having to accept help from Plover, which, thank God, Alice wasn't there. Oh, my gosh. But, of course, the moss didn't work, and Katie and Zelda are still getting sick from the poison. Right. He's like, oh, it must be... That spell that Martin put on me. Yeah. Really? That you're just realizing that? Yeah. So much for being this super intelligent person. Right. So Katie starts to lose it. And I'm going to die in the most ironic way possible, just like Penny. And you just go, no, you can't. When Zelda I informs her that if they can escape in time, the library does in fact have a cure for the poison room. Oh, she shouldn't have said that. No, because now Katie is super pissed. Yeah, you let him die. I thought she was going to lay her out. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, too. she's pretty famous for her right hook at this yes, point. So absolutely. Now, of course, Zelda tries to blame it on Everett, but yeah, Katie isn't accepting that answer at all. I don't blame her. No. Now, of course, back up in the library, Cyrus informs Everett that Zelda and Katie are trapped in the poison room. Not good news. Everett reaches out to Zelda by knocking her out and speaking to her through her subconscious. And then we I, get this nice I conversation. Wonder, I wonder if she knew this was something that was possible. She didn't seem surprised. But. No, absolutely not. I, yeah, I'm sure she thought it was possible. And she confronts him about his plan to become a god, and he explains that he's only doing it to protect the library and knowledge from the monsters. Hmm, where have we heard something like that before? Yeah, and also to take the knowledge that the old gods possess so that the library can control it. So the library can control it. Yeah, Hitler much? Right, uh <laughs> and obviously he doesn't know the story uh, that we've learned from the binder. No. Because then he would know you can't control it. No. And he tries to convince her that he is the only means of protection they have. And, of course, she reminds him that Bacchus and the other librarian turned gods tried this as well, and they fell prey to their own hubris. Well, of course they did. But I'll be different. Yeah, I have you. Right. You're so going to be my uh, conscience. Right. So Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Hungry. Yeah. 
And he also tells her that he's been storing the siphon magic into large reservoir, which just happens to be the one Finn discovered. But the only one who can access it is Quentin Coldwater. Yeah, why? Yeah, that's not sure. I had not figured like that, that one out. Like yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, it has to be him. Why? Why does it have to be him? Right. Meanwhile, the book that Fogg disguised has made it to the book return, and he follows two librarians who have to reshelve it to the poison room. He in- incapacitates them by turning them into puppies and unlocks the door. Which, first of all, that was the cutest incapacitation ever. Oh, absolutely. But we kind of skipped that he was down there because he was arrested and they were going to put him in a cell. Right. But thankfully he was wearing, quote unquote, the right suit. Yeah. I don't know what he did, but he put the tie clip on the librarian who had him and he like disappeared. Right. So that's what at least got him there. Yeah. And I'm like, this is really interesting. He's got all these little gadgets on this, this suit. Now, of course, Katie wakes Zelda up with a slap and Fogg refuses to take Plover with them. However, Plover the Wily One claims that he can help them get to the reservoir and share Martin Chatwin's other secrets with them. Of course he knows. Or at least he says he knows. It doesn't mean he knows. It's always just the right thing that he knows. Right? And reluctantly, they agree. However, on the way out, the alarm sounds. Zelda, Katie, and Plover make a run for it while Fogg stays behind and fights the guard. Ultimately, he loses and is dragged back to his cell. This can't be good. Yeah, and he's very upset with the suit that he's given. Yeah. (laughs) I love that that's what he's upset about. Oh, absolutely. Like, look at this, it's so drab. Now we'll check in on Team Monster as Julia wakes up in the forest next to Darth Elliot and his unconscious sister. He's chosen Julia to be her new vessel. I'm sure that's going to be great. Yeah. The uh, undestructible one. Right. Before he can kill his sister's current body to release her spirit, Julia calls upon Our Lady Underground for help. Of course, she shows up, but there's not much she can do. And I thought this was interesting because she's kind of like holding holding back like the power. Right. But she keeps saying that Julia will be okay if she makes the decision. It's like, what What do you mean? I was so confused when she's like, you won't fail as long as the decision's yours. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, you need to quit being cryptic. Now is not the time. No, not when a monster's about to be put inside me. Right. Yeah, because she, I'm not here to stop what's about to happen. It's like, oh, well, thanks. Right. Now, of course, the sister spirit escapes her vessel and enters Julia before she can make the choice. Now we have a Darth Julia on our hands. And she is way worse. Yes, because she immediately murders Our Lady Underground with just a snap of her fingers. That was crazy. Like, I was not expecting like it to just be like, boop, and you're done. No, not at all. I mean, yeah, we've seen Darth Elliot do it a couple times, but Darth Julia is just super B.A. She is not a good person. No. And especially the way she goes on this episode. Yeah. And later on, we check back in with the siblings who are walking hand in hand through the park. And Darth Julia notes how much has changed since she's been gone and how much her brother has changed as well because of his time among the humans. This might not end well for Elliot either. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. 
He asks her if he has a name, and she replies, why would you need one? Starbucks, mostly. And that's when I felt like she got like even more pissy about it. Yes, absolutely. You're getting like, too comfortable with the human. Right. And it's like, maybe he just wanted to try to make a joke, but then again, like he's been around our crew for a while, and Elliot is somewhere inside still. Right. So that's why, you know, he still has that little bit of humanity, and she's just like, you suck. <laughs> yeah, because he wants to spend more time with her, and she's all she's got on her mind is revenge. Yeah, apparently, if she was the one who had gotten out first, just uh, the whole crew would be dead. Right, and Darth Elliot would never have occurred. She no. probably killed her brother long before. Now, not on only the gods that murdered her, the Elliot, the Darth Elliot took care of them already, but right. on their parents, the old gods that made them and abandoned them. Now, of course, Darth Elliot questions her, but how do you kill an intangible thought creature? Where do you even stab? I feel like this was something that was said previously. Like, not by him. Right. But I feel like our crew has said this before. Or something along these lines. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when they were supposed to kill Umber, it was like, how do you kill a god? Well, hello, there's ways. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Now, of course, she explains that they're vulnerable in their own realm. However, the only way to access that realm is with the key that has been hidden where else but the library. Yes. So great. Do the librarians even know they have this? Right. More than likely, only Everett knows that that's there. Great. He's going to be super helpful, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, let's check back in with Team Break Bills. So you have Penny, who delivers really bad news to Q, Alice, and Margo in the loft. They have the axes, which we know because we've heard the story several times. Yes. They have the bottles. They have the incorporate bond, but they don't have enough magic to hold Monster Elliot, let alone two monsters. Right. So this really isn't going to be good. No. So there has to be a way. So who do they go to? The only person that really knows that they're there, Fog. But he is getting ar arrested. And right when this is happening, they get a magic rabbit message. And then they get a second one. Because they're like, who the hell is, is this from? It's like, yeah. it's, sorry, it's fun. <laughs> Which, that was funny. They had yes. to add that second one in. But she's like, there's a large reserve of magic. All right, we need to figure out what to do, how to get to it. Right. So Penny and Q head to Fillory, and Margo stays behind because she is still exiled. But Ben decides to visit her because she has to tell her about Josh. Yeah. Fish Josh. Great. And Margo's like, what the hell is going on? Is he supposed to turn white? And then at one point, it's like, did he start floating upside down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we almost lost him there. Yeah, Fen's like, oh, oh, you have to have constant eye contact. Otherwise, they'll die. What? Yeah, <laughs> what kind of strange fish is this? Of course, Fillory would have something like this. Of course. Usually, they get it from their fish mommies, but we'll have to fill in. Margo's like... Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm stuck here having to stare at a fish while everybody fights the monsters. Right. This is not my job. 
It's like, great. What's going to happen there? That's that's where I'm thinking, like, we almost lost him. This isn't going to go well. And then, yeah, as she's, like, staring at him at one point, Fen's like, oh, you have a connection. Yeah. It's like, Fen, stop. This isn't cute. My gosh, this woman, she cracks me up, though. Oh, absolutely. But while this is going on, Alice reaches out via bunny, which I thought was hilarious again, to Sheila. Because Sheila's probably like, the hell is this? Yeah. (laughs) Because they need extra power. And Sheila's like, I can't. I don't want to mess up a good thing. It's like, you know what? Then why don't you point her with your magic? Because you know what she needs. Yep. That's what I was thinking. But she's not helping. But at the same time, she's not going to interfere. Right. So I guess that's the best we can hope for right now. Sure looks and that way. I don't think Sheila's going to be one to stand up for what's right. Well, at least not Zelda, yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zelda seems to be, but Sheila's just, she got magic and she got complacent. <laughs> yeah. I think she's just trying to keep her head down. Right. But she's, of course, ask Alice, why don't you just go to the library for help? It's like, uh, they would arrest us on site. Hello. Yeah, you know that. Right. I thought she filled her in on everything, but maybe she really doesn't know. But anyway, let's go back to Margot, who is explaining the Josh Fish situation to Q and Alice. And she kind of lets it slip that they've been sleeping together. And apparently they're connected. But she got a little, little, a little. I'm still laughing about this. She got a little defensive. It's like, yeah, we bang sometimes. He makes me laugh. He gets me. It's not like I'm in love with him or anything. <laughs> and Alice is like, it sounds like it. Yeah. And you can still care about your fish guy. Where fish guy. Yeah, where fish guy. <laughs> and it doesn't make you less. And it's like, what? She's like, yeah, you can still be a bitch and love somebody. And I love it. She's like, son of a gun. <laughs> I love Josh Hoberman. God damn it, I do love this guppy. <laughs> Margo, I love you. Yes. I think everybody loves Margo this season. If you didn't because of the way she was in the earlier seasons, like this season, she's totally changed. Oh, yeah. And she's just like everything. I love it. <laughs> and just suddenly, Quentin's like, hey, what about that guy who helped with the hedge witch? I mean, he's like a vet or something, right? And then when she's, like, on the phone with them, hey, yeah, man, I got a fish problem. <laughs> like, this is going to go over great. Right. Oh, but then we had that moment with Alice and Quentin. And when that happened, I'm like, great, somebody isn't making it. Right. Because well, everybody was complaining yeah. about Q and Alice getting back together. And what about Q and Elliot and all that? And it's like, guys, you're forgetting basic storytelling when formal couple gets back together something bad happens yeah something's not gonna go well with this and it's so funny because uh our co-host jessica who has been with us on a couple things here and there she's like oh my god i i like them but i totally love quentin and elliot and I don't know how I feel about them getting back together. I'm like, oh, don't worry. Something bad will probably happen to yeah. one or all of them. <laughs> She's like, damn it. Yeah. Like, welcome to welcome to the party of everything sucks is basically how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you have Q kind of like, oh, I want to behave more like an adult and forgive people and not, not be mad for not living up to my own stupid expectations. It's like, oh, you're setting us up, aren't you? Yeah, I'm afraid so. 
And yeah. I'm not going to like it. I'm worried. Very. I'm like, too many people are, are getting kind of happy endings. They're like, they're setting it up for it. Right. Which means, oh, we'll only get so many happy endings. Right. Yeah. So we go back to the vet's office, or to the vet's office, I should say, with Margot. And I love it. She explains the problem. And this guy is like, oh, with his little piece of glass. I'm sorry to be bear of bad news, but your fish is a werewolf. <laughs> wait, wait, so are you. <gasps> Did you sleep with this fish? <laughs> that's how it gets transmitted. And I love it. She's like, I am going to kick your ass. Yeah. Like seven ways to Sunday. And he's like, uh, uh. She's like, it's a dude. He's under a spell. Oh, because it wasn't a curse placed by a head witch. I don't know how to do anything with it. Right. And he's like, whoa, your eye is so weird. Dude, stay on target, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and Margot, being Margot, listen, somehow, at some time here, I'm going to have to sleep or, you know, drop a deuce. And I don't go with other people in the room. Right. Fish or not. He's like, uh. And he's just like so fascinated with her eye. And he's like, it's like not even connected. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, I see where they're going. Right. She's like, why don't you just take it out? She's like, what are you talking about? And of course, you know, she tries to get out. She's like, I don't know. It's in there pretty, pretty hardcore. And he hits her in the back of the head. Again, I thought there was going to be a punch thrown. Right. And out pops the eye. And she's like, "Whoa, I can totally still see out of this thing. And he's like, yeah, there you go. So put it by the fishbowl. And he's like, oh, it's working. And then he's like, oh, I got something for you. Hold on. So she can cover the hole in her head. Yeah. And hands her. A pirate-themed eye patch. <laughs> and that I loved because she's like, why Why do you have this? Right. You're a vet. Come on. <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, don't ask, don't tell. Right. It's like, she's just shaking her head. Like, I don't believe this. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. But then that, again, kind of okay thing happens. And then we get to go to a not okay thing back at the loft. Yes. Katie and Zelda bring Plover to the loft to meet with Quentin and Alice. And I didn't know who was going to try to kill him, but I figured one or both. Right. Alice is especially dismayed and pissed to see him, but he promises that he has the information needed to access the reservoir and save their friends. And so he goes on to tell the story that it was Martin who placed the curse on the reservoir after dealing with his own magic hoarding king so that... Or whoever tried to use it to hoard that much power wouldn't be able to use it. The key to understanding the curse and saving Josh lies in the drowned garden just outside the reservoir. Flowers in it are magic and respond to emotions. They need to revive one of the dead plants and the only way to do it is with someone who truly and innocently loves Hillary. Now, we did see the garden because they were like, oh, it's trippy because we've seen the plants dying. Right. What I thought had happened was it was some sort of weird time thing where it like grew and then died and then grew and then died. Right. Apparently, that's not what it is. No. And I think this is the reason that Everett knows it has to be Quentin because he's like the only one who really cared about Fillory. Right. But of course, Quentin is hesitant. Because he's an adult now, and he worries that his love for Fillory has soured now that he knows what Fillory truly is. And plus, you know, he's spent time with the senators and everything, and things are just not right for him. Right. 
Yeah, he's had his whole world just crashed in on him. Right. And of course, Zelda tries to assure him that he is their best chance at getting the flower to bloom. And this is where I'm worried. I'm like, did Zelda drink the Kool-Aid? Right. Of course, after the others leave, Penny tries to convince Katie to take the library's cure. And of course, she's considering not taking it so that she can die and be in the afterlife with her Penny. Not yet. Oh, yeah. And our, well, okay. Our Penny knows everything's happening right now. Right. And I think that's why he was like, no, 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 no. We need a break. You know, tell her that it's over for now. Right. But I love it. But I just feel like it doesn't matter because she is so heartbroken. You know, she wants to go to her Penny. And then oh, Penny 23 was just like, why do you want to leave your friends and everybody who loves you here? Right. Which I get it. But at the same time, uh, it's like. It ain't the same. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not quite the same. No. So back in the drowned garden, Plover lurks over Quentin as he struggles to find positive things to say about Fillory. And finally, Q just puts his foot down and makes Plover leave the room. Well, yeah, come on. He's the one who soured it once he found out everything. Oh, absolutely. But still fails to make the flower bloom and begins to beat himself up. Of course, Alice tells him that even though he's trying to let go of who he used to be, what he needs to do right now is to hold on to the past and hold on to why Fillory was so important to him in the first place. This is not going to be easy. No. Believing in something is almost impossible, but the Quentin that I first met believed in magic and in Fillory. Being an adult doesn't mean throwing away what you used to love. Well... <laughs> I kind of feel like it does sometimes. <laughs> yes. At least that's how everybody always makes it feel. Yeah. So Alice and Penny also leave the room so that Quentin can have his moment to himself. Uh, it was kind of sad. Oh, it absolutely was sad. He had just this like heartbreaking monologue where he was like, I love this place and it's what saved me, it, this idea. And then nothing is here that... It was supposed to be, and ah, uh, just listening to him, I felt like we're going back to season one Q. Right. Who was just suicidal. Right. And it's like, oh, man, this is rough. And then when he finally just throws out the shouldn't loving the idea of Fillory be enough, and I'm like, I don't think it's enough. Yeah, but. <laughs> but boom, it started to come back. He's like, holy crap. <laughs> So Penny takes some of the leaves of the flower to cure Josh, and Alice and Quentin eat their own leaves and begin to drink from the reservoir. So now they have some major power. They're juiced up. Yeah. Of course, we see the monsters have breached the library, slaughtering librarians left and right, and they easily break into the poison room and retrieve the key. Yeah, I think those two librarians that tried to stop them, weren't those the ones that were turned into puppies? That makes me sad, too. I'm like, aww. Of course, Sheila manages to hide from them and send a magic rabbit to Alice, warning them of the attack. But Julia Monster stumbles onto Fogg in his cell, and just before she can snap her fingers and take him out, she's interrupted by Quentin and Alice geared up with bottles, blades, and a whole lot of magic. Now, 
Yeah, she's just like, oh, adorable. Yeah. What? <laughs> now, that moment, though, Julia had with Fog, I felt like Fog was like, all right, I have to stall. Right. And I was I was cheering up a little. Yeah. Because Fog's like, I'm sorry, I did something. Because she didn't just kill him right away. Because I think at that point she's like, oh, why are you in a cell? Right. It's like, what did you do that was so bad? And it was just like, oh, man. What's going to happen? I feel like we're in another timeline. Right. Is the Watcher Woman going to reset? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it was it was sad, like that moment, because he's like, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm just sitting there like, that says a lot. Yeah, that Fog actually apologizes for everything that has happened to her. That he tried to help. He, he thought he was doing good. It's like, oh. There was a lot of those moments in this episode. It was. And again, it's just leading up to horrible heartbreak, I feel. Yeah. I'm right there with you because this just cannot end well. Nope. I don't feel good about this, but I guess we'll find out. Well, what do you guys think about the episode, the season, everything? Let us know. Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends. Like I said, we got our co-host Jess into the show. You should bring all your friends in. Absolutely. And of course, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. Don't forget to check out the website, www.fangirlzone.com. It has our contact page, which leads you everywhere that we have pages to make it easy. Um, A lot of our... Photos are ending up on Facebook right now because I am still having a problem. I am just not web savvy, apparently, with this site. But you can see the cons that we've been at. And then, obviously, there's there's big cons coming and some delays because one of us is having a whole new adventure. Yes. Going to be hitting up new cons soon-ish. So, yay, Steve's going to be going somewhere new for new cons. Yep. <laughs> Closer of course, to the Sean, whole, too. Yeah, <laughs> like we might see both of us at cons at some point here. Yep. But for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirless. And I'm Steve. Well, of course not. He's a Florian dying fish. A Florian fucking fish is a totally different species. And until next time.